I another Friday afternoon mop up session for your boy Chris Naki here. Aim of the show is overtime on the fan Odyssey app as well. I'm joined by uh, Linnell Willingham as usual, and uh, got a lot to get to. Man, so much going on. Uh, you know, we didn't really want Aaron Rodgers here, anyways. Um, you know what? Fine, let's move on. We can move on to the uh, usual cast of suspects and characters, and uh, there's plenty to get to beyond the quarterback. We're going to be talking about the quarterback ad nauseum for the next several weeks. So there's a NFL combine coming up, free agency on the other side of that. So many things to get to there. Also got movement in college basketball. We've got the NBA. Stretch run for the Wiz begins tonight, 7 o'clock, down the hall, down the aisle, 980 a.m. The Fighting Popoviches from San Antonio are in town, and uh, that is a stretch of 24 games in 46 days, as you just heard Craig Heiss say. And um, that's a hell of a run when you think about it. And and I know these guys are paid handsomely, but 24 games in 46 days, especially for a team that's a little bit undermanned when you think about it. I mean, obviously no Beal the rest of the year. They trade for Kristaps Porzingis, and God knows when he'll play. Played uh, 21 games, I think, to to this point this year. You know, he's always sort of day-to-day. Uh, but there's some other stories, too, I want to get to. I want to get to NBA MVP possibilities. There's a fabulous story, too, out there <clears throat> about, uh, and I, I think a, a lot of the book that's coming out about Coach K, and I, I'm already sick of this, you know, this swan song of his. But there's a book coming out that I think a lot of people caught wind of the book when uh, it was released uh, the last week or two that Coach K, or excuse me, that Duke had actually art, had offered the job to um, Tommy Amaker before K kind of rescinded that offer and, and hired John Shire. name of the book is Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. Ian O'Connor is the author. But in there, too, he tells an epic story about um, about interplay and conversations between Kobe Bryant and LeBron James on the Dream Team, and all was not roses and sunshine between those two guys. And it's kind of not only is it interesting interplay between those two guys, but it's also sort of a, I hate to give props to Kay, but it's kind of a master class on how you as a coach have to deal and how you know you have to you have to confront things, even though sometimes you know your first instinct is you don't want any part of it. Um, but they had issues, but uh, during the night, uh, the 2008 Olympics, and uh, Coach K was able to squash it and squash it between two of the best, pl- the two best players on the planet at that time. Seven o'clock hour. I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, about coaches' openings in college basketball, obviously there's one at Maryland, or there will be one at Maryland. Uh, could very well be one at Georgetown as well. In another three weeks or so, you're going to see all sorts of activity on the, along those lines. A lot of jobs opening. Obviously, Louisville is open right now, as will be open, uh, but likely South Carolina, Georgia. You know, there's some pretty big names. And um, it's going to create a mass sort of frenzy in terms of where are the big names going, you know? And in most cases what happens is the big names parlay this into, you know, into opportunities to make their their existing job far better. 
And uh, that's usually what happens here. I want to talk a little bit about the history of hiring and um, uh, in terms of Power 5 coaches. It's not an easy thing to pull off, and history will tell you that. But first and foremost, before we get back to Aaron Rodgers, I want to give my man Linnell Willingham some serious props here. Okay, last time I was in here was the night before the Super Bowl, all right? And we did about 30 prop wagers. Yeah, how did that go? So here's how it went. I, I am here. I will never bow down, but I will genuflect. <laughs> all right? You beat me by one. Uh, it's always and, and, so close. And you know what? You know what What ended up being the, I, you know, we. it's hard to say what one was the difference, but the one that stuck out to me is I went over on the game, you went under. And that's that was the one thing. Now, we were all over the place on these props. Oh, it was and, so many of them. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I think I got you, the last time we did that, and there was some NFL playoff stuff going on, I think I got you by about the same amount, but you totally ruled in the Super Bowl. The one... One thing we also had in common is we were both on the Bengals' side of things. Now, the Bengals covered, but we both thought the Bengals were going to win outright. We wanted and, the Cinderella story. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, compelling game nevertheless. And honestly, it took me three or four days to find the sheet. You know, and then I came up with a sheet, and that, then I was wishing I hadn't found it. When I, when I <laughs> figured out what was going on. You on won. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So. Well, I do. But props to you, man. Yeah, good deal. And um, it was a lot of fun. And keep it going. You can't tell me that stuff doesn't make the game more fun. Oh, of course. I had no, uh, you know, I'm not better. I told you that a hundred times. I had no action on the game. I mean, I still, I was still way into the game. But I'm thinking as I as I found that sheet and I was looking at it a couple days later, I kind of wished I'd had it in hand during the game because it's like having a fantasy football team. It just changes the way you watch a game. Yeah, watch it with a little more intrigue. Yeah. Like you would have saw the loss. Yeah. yeah. Loss. <laughs> Close and personal. I feel prideful. I, doing I was also, as you should, man, I, I was also into, uh, and you can't tell me, as a guy who works here, you cannot tell me you weren't clued into the Joe Mixon yardage. Oh, yeah. Uh, because of the bet that mm-hmm. Danny had had. Uh, you I know. can't wait for that day. Yeah, so... Uh, it's funny, and I'm only here once every couple of weeks, and I, I enjoy the hell out of it when I come in. But that was one hysterical wager, and uh, and that was that was really the one prop that I was clued in on, largely because of the you know the stuff that goes on here in the office, most of which can't tell stories about. <laughs> no. All right, so let's get to Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, he is at a stage in his career. I mean, he's one of the best guys to ever spin it. I mean, there's no question about it. You can say he's a clown, and you may be right. But but his abilities are unparalleled to a large degree. He just finished a season with what is arguably, okay, with him on it, what is arguably the best team in football. They had the best record. They had a home field advantage. It's it's a one and done. Either you win and uh, you know you don't win, you go home. They went home, okay. Well, they they were home, but they lost and and they stayed home. So lost to San Fran. So so the question becomes, where are his best options? I we've talked about this for weeks. I've always felt like he ain't going anywhere. It's the best situation for him to win title number two, ring number two, and uh, on top of it, he just had a huge hand in hiring. His boy Tom Clemens, who, by the way, was a great quarterback, college quarterback in Notre Dame. Clemens had retired, and Rodgers had a hand in bringing him, bringing him out of retirement. Hard for me to believe he's going anywhere. But 
That doesn't mean that this drama queen doesn't love the speculation that he's going to San Fran, Tampa Bay, you fill in the blank, right? So earlier this morning, and I, let me back up, Diana Rossini from ESPN had made had a report last night where basically, you know, Aaron Rodgers had eliminated Washington. And, you know, in, 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 in he was – that doesn't mean he was uh, – it just means he'd eliminated Washington. Doesn't mean he he had a short list of teams he was going to go to. Doesn't mean he was talking about Tampa Bay or San Fran. But uh, Kevin Sheehan was able to get Diana on the phone this morning on the Kevin Sheehan show down the hallway here on nine eighty, and this was the conversation they had, which was kind of interesting. And I don't I don't know which quarterback he's going to go after. And at the end of the day. You know, if you were to ask me right now, I still think they're going to wind up stuck with like a bridge quarterback again and have to draft one, um, uh, unless unless the Deshaun Watson situation could become an become an option. But I think that's going to be something too. Where I, I'm, would Watson want to play there? I, yeah, I, I, I don't mean, know that. Well, we're doing these a little bit out of sync, but 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 the the that was the que- the follow up question from Kevin to Diana was. Well, if Rodgers isn't in play here, who does Rivera go for? Because Rivera has been pretty adamant about the fact that he's going to take a swing, right? So um, if not Aaron Rodgers, then whom? And that's the that's the answer you just heard. Linnell, do you have do you have his comments here about? Okay, go ahead, play it. Uh, let's just say the you know the Commanders come up with a big haul and are able to give the best situation to the Green Bay Packers, and they say. Sorry, dude. We're just going to do it. That, that's not, from what I can gather, how it's going to work. Um, he's going to request a trade if this is what he decides to do, and then he he has teams that he wants to go to. And from what I've learned, um, and, and and I know of those teams, and and the commanders are not on them. So, long story short, it, he doesn't want to play in Washington. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, that's fine, and I can understand why he would say that. But the hell with you. You know what? Dogs bark. The caravan moves on. Let's find somebody else. Now, as it applies to Deshaun Watson, we got to talk about that on the other side of the break because I think folks are missing a bunch of bunch of the significant factoids as it applies to Mister Watson. And um, I'm not. I would never ever argue that he's not a top five QB. He is. He is a wondrous talent. Uh, he's got some issues, but he is a wondrous talent. We're going to get to that on the other side of the break. Chris Knocky, Linnell Willingham, we're only with you till 745. Maryland basketball against Indiana. Maryland women's basketball against Indiana comes on 745. Um, that's the pregame. Game tip is at 8. Matt Noble, Dave Preston on the call. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit more NFL. Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. So one of the stipulations, so to speak, um, I know from the Packers was they really do not want it to be a team in the NFC. That was something that early on they really, when they were having these conversations and realizing that this is the path it's gonna, it could go, um, they really want him to stay out of the NFC. I get that. That's Diana Rossini from ESPN talking with Kevin Sheehan this morning on the Kevin Sheehan Show on uh, 980 down the hall here. And, you know, rule number one is you never trade a monster in the division. 
Uh, that's just uh, that's just good business. Chris Knocky here, Linnell Willingham as well. We're here with you just till seven forty-five. Maryland basketball coming up on the other side of that. Maryland women's basketball, I should say. And um, yeah, you know, if if in fact you take Aaron Rodgers off the table, and not just here, I, I think you can effectively take Aaron Rodgers. I, I can't imagine he's going to be dealt. Uh, just those things just don't happen much in this day and age. And if in fact you take Aaron Rodgers off the table. And I honestly think you could take Russell Wilson off the table, too. Uh, Pete Carroll is not going anywhere. There's a $15 million buyout for Pete Carroll. Seahawks are not – they want him back. Carroll wants to coach again. Carroll and Russell Wilson will be tied to the hip forever in NFL lore and history. They've had they've been remarkable together. Now also, keep in mind the context of what's happened to Russell Wilson the last two years. Two years ago, he was 12-4. and four. They were loaded. They were good. They were rolling. And they have won and done in the playoffs. They are out. They never. They, they did not advance past round one. So now you fast forward to last year. He goes down with an injury, broken finger, badly broken finger, in week five, I think it was. So, you know, and as a result, he missed a number of weeks. When he came back, he wasn't really the same guy. They won their last two games. The way the season ended for them at 7-10, and 10, strangely, makes it easier, I think, for him to come back than the the bile you feel when you go 12-4 and four and you lose in the first round of the playoffs. I honestly think that he believes, he would believe, that Seattle is his best opportunity. He's got wideouts. He's got guys who can play. He's got a fl- fleet of running backs. They need help on the offensive line. But that's why, that's why free agency was created, you know? I mean, you can address these things pretty quickly, and the Seahawks maybe not that far away. The, the one mitigating thing for the Seahawks is the division they are in. It is a very good division, man. And Linnell, that is – I mean, you got to climb over some teams that – don't, You don't think he wants to get out of that messy – that, that, that strong I, 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 division? You play against the best. I mean, I think it I, – I think it depends. It's his home. You know, I mean, see, now he's been in Seattle for – how long has Russell Wilson been in Seattle? He's been there for a while. You for, see, she changed the TwitCon on Twitter to uh, his old Virginia high school uh, Yeah, I did see that. Jersey. Yeah. Hey. Who knows? Yeah, but my guess is, too, is, is that these guys end up staying, which then means all the teams, like your boys here, the commanders, all the teams that have pledged to go out and take swings and to swing for the fences become sort of a musical chair for quarterbacks. There will be somebody out there that way overpays for fill-in-the-blank, for Carson Wentz, for Derek Carr. for And and then it becomes sort of a, a philosophical discussion in your organization. Do you, do you really want to trade the draft capital that you have to trade to have a quarterback? Well, I mean, in this modern-day NFL, you don't really win big without a quarterback, without a legit quarterback. Well, then the question is, what's a legit quarterback? Who meets your definition? Is it, you know, you know, fill in the blank again? Is it, what do you do with Garoppolo? What do you do with Mitch Trubisky? What do you do with Marcus Mariota? What do you do with Mariota? What do you do with any one of these guys? Teddy Bridgewater. So back to where I was going with this. You have a number of teams that have pledged that they're this close. They're really close, and all they need is that QB. Tampa Bay. Okay, you lose the GOAT. Okay, yet the rest of the team is ready-made. I doubt you have Gronk back next year, but you got a great set of wide receivers. You've got a terrific defense when healthy. 
Again, you come back to training camp, most of that defense should be intact and healthy. They're not that far away. So do they take a swing at Teddy Bridgewater? Jimmy, who's your guy? If those two guys are taken off the table, who is your guy? They're not going to – Tampa Bay, as they are currently situated, they're not drafting a QB. You know, they're going for somebody out there in in uh, free agency. So now what it becomes is it becomes sort of a musical, musical chairs. If Derek Carr goes to Tampa Bay, who goes to Oakland? Oakland's a playoff team. You know, they're pretty good. They've got some pieces. Now, they, they I don't know how they did it last year with all the controversy and all the issues they had between John Gruden and Ruggs and all that. They, they had great leadership, and somehow they held it together with scotch tape and chewing gum. They're a playoff team. So so then, then who fills that spot in Oakland? And then if that guy goes from, you know, if, it, if it's Garoppolo who goes, you know, across the, the bay to Oakland – well, who gets that San Fran job? Is it Trey Lance? Is he your guy? Is he, uh, you know, and I we didn't see enough of him to really make a whole lot of a judgment call on him. So, at any rate, I think if you take these two guys off the table, and I think ultimately these guys will be taken off the table, it becomes a really fascinating offseason for QBs. And I, I, you got to be really judicious about how you do it. You know, if you're the Denver Broncos, do you go after a guy like, Kirk Cousins and a $46 million cap hit? I mean, if you believe you're that close and they've got some pieces, I don't don't know, maybe you do. But that's a franchise that has been told regularly here in this offseason, we're just a quarterback away and we're going to solve that issue. So, And Denver's not not alone. I mean, we're feeling that pain right here, although it feels like to me this franchise is way more than just a quarterback away. So at the end of the day, too, Linnell, if you're in that front office, you know, one of the more successful front offices recently in pro sports, um, Philadelphia 76ers, where they came up with that moniker, trust the process, talked about the process. And that means that sometimes you got to take a step back before you've taken multiple steps forward. It's work for them. They're viable. You know, they're very good. And, uh, you know, maybe that's a, that's a model to follow. But NFL, you know, the NFL means not for long. You might not have that window of opportunity that the NBA teams, you know, in that particular case, an NBA team had. They should, though. Yeah. Because it's the right way to do it, especially here. Yeah. I love. (laughs) Especially. I love doing it through the draft. And, you know, you look at some of the guys. If you don't take a quarterback, if you look at some of the guys who would be available in the draft for these guys, given where they draft, you could draft some monstrous defensive talent or offensive linemen who might be they might be 10-year guys for you you know and bit serious building blocks all right we've got a lot to get to on the other side of the break here want to talk a little bit about the openings in college basketball i always get a lot of questions about opening and the opening in college park um likely i would think that there would be an opening at georgetown although who knows uh, they're very pretty secretive up there and we're not really sure exactly what's going on but uh, regardless, they are wearing the collar in Big East play right now, and it's sad. It's sad for anybody who spent a lot of time here in this city. Anyway, Chris Knocky, Linnell Willingham, uh, 106.7 The Fan. The name of the show is uh, Overtime. We will be back shortly.
All right, overtime, 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. Chris Naki, Linnell Willingham with you. Till 7.45, Maryland women's basketball coming up. It's kind of a top 15 game between them and the Hoosiers. Uh, Indiana Hoosiers, that's in College Park. Big game. Big game in the Big Ten. Big Ten tournament, women's tournament, is next week. That is upon us already. All right, I want to talk a little bit about some college hoops. I, you know, my days these days are fairly College Park-centric. And um, I get a lot of questions about the vacancy, the job vacancy there in College Park. Danny Manning, the interim coach, and, uh, um, you know, barring any unforeseen stunning run that that he would make, uh, most likely will be a a new coach, certainly in College Park next year. And and I think that, too, the fan base is like a lot of fan bases where, you know, they aspire to, to the great hire. And and the university, of course, wants to win that press conference. So you see all sorts of big time names that are bandied about on a regular basis. Uh, you know, Musselman from Arkansas, Nate Oates from Alabama, guys like that, is sitting head coaches at Power Five schools. Yet one of the things that history shows you is that the Power Five. This is a little bit like quarterbacks moving in the NFL. It just doesn't happen that much. That a, that a Power Five guy that a Power five guy moves to another power five job. And, and there are exceptions. Over the last couple of years, Chris Beard went from Texas Tech to Texas, but he's a Texas alum. He, you know, he wanted that job since he di- the day he got into coaching. Buzz Williams left Virginia Tech to go to Texas A&M. Hello, he's from Texas, wanted to go home. And, and yet, for the most part, I, I think like 30 of the last 35 hires in college basketball have all been mid-major guys who had success over a prolonged period of time. And so one of the things you get, that well, there's several advantages to hiring that way, one of which is you hire somebody who's proven themselves over time, which is important. You don't want a one-hit wonder. Secondly, they're less expensive. You don't have to deal with a buyout. Uh, as an aside here, I, I got to tell you, one, one of the guys I've enjoyed meeting as much as anybody in college basketball is Nebraska coach Fred Hoiberg. Fred was a nice player, you know, at Iowa State, played with the Bulls, had a nice little NBA career before he he had a health issue that made him move into the front office. Then then he was a very successful coach at Iowa State, uh, went and coached the Chicago Bulls. Now he's a coach in Nebraska. They're 7-20 overall, 1-15 in the Big Ten. He is 6-49 in conference play. Fred Hoiberg has an $18.5 million buyout if Nebraska wants to get rid of him or if somebody else wants to hire him. Now, nobody's hiring him with a 6-49 and conference record, but that just speaks to how expensive it is to go poach a Power 5 guy. Now, Hoiberg is an exception. Not, there aren't that many $18.5 million buyouts, and the fact of the matter is, is his contract will be restructured You know, at the end of the year. They're not going to let him sit there at $18.5 million, I, I think that they'll restructure it, maybe drop it down to 10 or $11 million bucks. but that's still a boatload of cash for a school like Maryland to pay or Georgetown or any Power 5 school to drop on a buyout. And that's before you even start to cons- consider whether you're paying this guy 4 or 5 or $6 million a year. So at any rate, when you look at the history of where the hires come from, the the fact of the matter is the pool that you should actually be looking at and swimming in are the mid-majors and the guys who are getting it done. You look at a guy like Mike Rhodes at VCU who has had prolonged success at VCU. 
Um, you know, guys like that. How about the notion of, you know, uh, the, the, then the question becomes, really, how long is, is long enough for you? Mike Rhodes has been at VCU for a long time. He was at Rice before that. Uh, he was a longtime coach with Shaka Smart at VCU. That's why they brought him back, because they knew he was familiar with that system, liked the style. Um, but their other mid-major coaches, Dennis Gates, Cleveland State, guys who were getting it done in a big way. You know, f- for years, there were a lot of, or, or we just assumed that the success had at Murray State was because they had John Morant. And he was a once-in-a-generation type player, a guy who very rarely goes to a program like Murray State. Well, now they're the best mid-major in the country, again. And Matt McMahon is the coach, deserves, deserves a lot of credit. He's been there a while. He's established something. Drew Valentine, new guy at Loyola Chicago. It was assumed when Porter Moser went to Oklahoma that they would drop off. Well, Drew Valentine gets that job. He's the older brother of the former NCAA player of the year, Denzel Valentine, who was at Michigan State. He's got these guys right back into sort of the top of that mid-major echelon. And, you know, he looks like he's destined for stardom. Uh, you know, you get some guys who were uh, – the guy here at George Mason, Kim English, he's not going to be there that long. Now, I would have thought after the pre- after the fall that he had – that he was going to be a one-year guy. Now, they've stumbled a bit in Atlantic 10 play, but, again, he's a very good recruiter, incredibly articulate, compelling guy to listen to speak to, and uh, feels like a leader when you listen to him. So these are the guys. These are the guys that you need to focus in on. Again, Power 5 guys rarely move P5 to P5 in terms of sitting head coaches. But I'm going to give you a variable in that Power 5 realm. And I don't know that he's in play necessarily for Maryland. I feel like he would be in play for Georgetown a little bit. And I'm not sure why, what the distinction is between the two. I think the Georgetown just has so far to go to come back to square one, sadly. Um, Mike Jones, who was, you know, a mainstay here for so long, two decades at DeMatha High School. He had the honor and the and the curse of following Morgan Wooten. Who wants that? But he followed Morgan Wooten after the first year or two where he struggled a little bit. Um, he had 20 remarkable years in Hyattsville at, uh, at DeMatha. Now, that's a guy who joined Virginia Tech, surprised everybody by joining Mike Young's staff as the associate head coach down there. And there is no doubt in my mind that while – you know, you're hiring a high guy who spent the bulk of his years as a high school coach. It can be argued that DeMatha is effectively a college job. And that league, Linnell, that they competed in, the WCAC. They got some hoopers in there. You think? 100%. Yeah. So a small college. I wonder where his name lands in some of these discussions. And um, it, it is a big leap. I get it, and I'm not saying that he's a lock or anything like that. But I, it, the 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 notion that, or the the fact if 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 for, for if Patrick Ewing hung on at Georgetown for another year, and I hope for DC basketball's sake, I want Georgetown to be good. It's it's important when Georgetown and Maryland are good and good together. But if in fact Patrick Ewing lasted another year, it might be one of those things where. Mike actually becomes a more viable candidate than he would be right now if Patrick left at the end of the season. 
you're you're a basketball celebrity. There's another name. What about the guy that I've just retired from Paul the Six? Glenn Farilla? Is that in my oh, not, not Glenn Paul is the still Six. there. Uh, Glenn is still at PBA. Not, not, not Paul the Six. Oak Hill. Oh, Steve Smith. Steve Smith. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I you know, I know Steve well, I knew Steve a little bit back in the day. I we've not crossed paths in the last uh, you know, fifteen years or so. Yeah, I mean, um, Interesting. I hadn't thought about Steve. I my understanding of Steve is that he he didn't just move on from Oak Hill. It's that he retired from basketball. From basketball. So, um, and I don't know. I don't hear Steve's name out there as if he's looking for other jobs. Now he's from that area down there, Matha Wilson. You ever been to Matha Wilson, Virginia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See some basketball tournaments. Well, I mean, there's not a whole lot going on down there. I would think that if. If there were, you know, low-level Division One school schools that became available down there in that area, you might be inclined to fish a little bit. But um, um, at any rate, those are just, you know, some ideas. And I, I, again, you look at it from multiple perspectives. The university that hires a new coach wants to win that press conference. They're dying for the splash. Maryland needs a splash. Georgetown, they're going to need a splash at some at some point in time too. And I realize that there's not as much you know it's not as sexy to hire a mid-major guy i'm just telling you that history tells you that's generally generally the way these things work out and um and if you fall in love with a lot of big names i think at the end of the day you're likely to be disappointed so all right when we come back i want to talk a little bit about a great story that came out of a or that's come out of a, a new book about Mike Krzyzewski, the Coach K book that a lot of people are talking about. This particular story involves the Dream Team, or the Redeem Team is what it was called in 2008, after a debacle uh, with, a, with the Olympic team in 2004. This involves LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. All right, you're listening to Overtime, 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. Back in a minute. Uh, it is overtime. 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. Chris Knocky, Linnell Willingham with, with you only for another 25 or 30 minutes. Maryland's women's basketball uh, against Indiana takes over at 745. Matt Noble and Dave Preston on that call. Big game in the Big Ten. So uh, there's been a lot of talk about this book coming out. Um, I, hell, I don't know. It might even be out. Ian O'Connor has written a book about Coach K. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people just like me who are a little tired of the uh, the uh, swan song, you know, everything about Coach K. You watch ESPN, and it's all Coach K. But at any rate, there's a book that Ian O'Connor has written. In fact, it has been released, Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. And um, it got a little um, uh, news, I guess a couple weeks ago, when it was revealed that Duke actually wanted Tommy Amaker, uh, Harvard coach Tommy Amaker, and Fairfax native, by the way, uh, to succeed uh, Coach K when he left. And um, and that was news to a lot of people. Uh, and it was also news that uh, Coach K sort of pulled the mafia boss move and instilled his own coach, that would be John Shire, uh, rather than listen to the direction from Duke from the university. So, and that, that was what we heard a couple of weeks ago. Well, at any rate, there's a, some great there, there are great stories that are coming out of this book, and one of the stories involves two of the 
preeminent players of the last 20 years. And, you know, one of the great NBA disappointments is that we never really got a chance to see LeBron James and Kobe Bryant face off in a playoff series. It, it only could have happened really in the NF, in the NBA Finals, given the fact that James at the time was spending most of his time in the Eastern Conference and Bryant in the West with the Lakers. Uh, but their legacy circled one another as probably the world's two best players for about five or six years. And 2008 was right in the middle of that period. Uh, that's when Kobe and LeBron joined forces as, as the, really the alpha males of USA Basketball, anchoring what was called the Redeem Team. Keep in mind, in 2004, the USA Basketball team had to settle for the gasp bronze medal in Athens, right? And so there were a whole, there were millions of people pissed off about how did that happen? So the NBA gathered, marshaled its forces, as they say, and the best, in, you know, the best in the business played. That was also, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people who are down on Carmelo Anthony as a player. He's one of the best Olympic players of all time. I think he's still leading scorer in Olympic history for for the U.S. I mean, it, it's amazing how, what he could do. Now, don't ask him to stop anybody, but he could score. His skill set is just phenomenal. Still, for a guy who's on in years. Okay, but in this book, there was a tense in-game moment that's described here in which LeBron, coming off the court, voiced his strong displeasure with Kobe's shot selection to Krzyzewski, who had just been tabbed to coach the Olympic team and and reportedly treading very lightly in his transition. Uh, You know, he wasn't exactly sure how to address the best players in the world, even though he'd coached multiple teams, national champions, uh, to, to national championships, this was a new animal for Shashevsky. Okay, so Bryant, for one, enjoyed the way Shashevsky coached him. A lot of players were surprised that Kobe accepted the invitation to play because remember, Kobe Bryant was the ultimate lone wolf. He didn't want it, you know, he was not a great teammate. And he was also one of those guys, he would never have been a part of those, you know, um, playing with your friends, moving to another team and playing with, you know, with your guys, much more along the lines of Jordan. Uh, in that first team meeting in Las Vegas, Bryant sat by himself at a table, completely removed from his teammates, right behind his coaching staff. And by all reports, it looked like very strange, but he was not really engaged with his teammates at all. So over time, Kobe felt reinvigorated by this challenge. He'd been a pro already for 10 years and appreciated kind of the new motivation and the fact that it had nothing to do with money. It was more, you know, about, uh, about the country and about the goal. But his standards are his standards, and and suddenly then it point they, the story points to a specific night, August fifth, two thousand eight. Um, he took a few loose shots. Kobe did in the second half against Australia, enough to draw the attention of his teammates. Also, there's just a caveat. There's some language here, so we're gonna have to be we'll tread lightly, and you'll know what where I'm treading here. Um, so the shots that he took against Australia definitely drew the attention of his teammates. The USA won that game 87-76, but looked really beatable in doing so. The Americans were eager to get on with the Olympic tournament, and Kobe was bored. Uh, seemed to be the increasing, and he seemed to be increasing the degree of difficulty on his shots just to challenge himself. Everybody knew it, says one Team USA staffer. They knew, or excuse me, they know when another player is being selfish. Players can police themselves, but in this instance, LeBron was coming out of the game. And he said to Mike, yo, coach, 
you better fix that MFR as he walks by, and he was talking specifically about Kobe. The Redeem team was supposed to be all about accountability, and this was James holding Coach K and Brian accountable. Krzyzewski told LeBron that he would talk to Kobe, and he asked that he trust him. Coaching staff met through the night, and all they talked about was how to deal with Kobe in this situation. The next morning before leaving Shanghai, Mike uh, Krzyzewski asked Bryant for a special meeting. And Krzyzewski was very nervous, but he knew he had to have this, this meeting. And so basically the story goes that Krzyzewski sits down, pulls out his laptop, and shows clips that had been put together of the shots that Bryant was taking. There were six shots all shown back to back to back on this cut up tape, cut up, you know, digital, you know, uh, basically movie for Kobe to watch. And they were all ridiculous shots. And Krzyzewski turned to Kobe and he said, that's just complete BS. Leave it at that. And so now this is him talking to the best player in the world. And a lot of guys are reluctant to have that that discussion. These are uncomfortable discussions to have with star players. And Kobe Bryant's response was, yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. Let's go win a gold. And so, you know, ultimately, Krzyzewski told James he'd followed up and confronted Bryant that Kobe was on board with everything that he wanted to be and everything he wanted to do. And against the odds, the college coach had reached an accord with the NBA's biggest stars. Kobe, LeBron, and Coach K all did what they had to do, and it made going to Beijing a lot easier. So there's so many good parts of this story. And, again, I'm not a Duke rooter. In fact, every game I ever watch them to play, I hope they lose. But one of the things it speaks to is, you know, I've coached for a long time, and one of the things it speaks to is that you can never be afraid to have those uncomfortable conversations as difficult as they are sometimes and as much times as as many times as you dread them going in ultimately it's it it is absolutely essential that you have a clearing of the air you have to have that conversation and the other thing it allows you to do Linnell it allows you to sleep at night because if you don't address these things and you don't do things for the 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 good of the whole then you're not going to sleep at night because you're going to think to yourself right before you right before you drifting off damn i didn't i didn't do everything that was on my list today you know and that is the most important thing on your list is to do something that day that makes the team better than it was you know the the night before so uh, i thought it was a remarkable story and people think it's easy sometimes when you go in on autopilot and you you enter you know in where you've got the best players in the world it ain't that easy, and it, he deserves a lot of credit. Again, he's a an accomplished coach, and he did what he had to do, but that's not an easy conversation to have with a guy uh, like Kobe Bryant at all, at all. And I'm like, man, this isn't these aren't these 18 year olds, you know, that you're that you're used to talking to. This is Kobe damn Bryant. <laughs> the other you know, thing, so. the other part of this story, I have some friends of mine, and I don't know if any of them are listening, but I have some friends who will send me some serious trash. And LeBron hate, and I always try and correct them. I mean, I, I don't. I'm. I would never argue that LeBron's the greatest player that ever played the game. I just think, I think he's he's a tremendous team player, and it, all the things that he does in terms of rebounds, assists, 
Um, you know, all the things that he adds to you um, for the first. Now, he's not the same guy he once was. But I don't think he, in his first 12 or 13 years that he ever cheated you for effort either. And one of the stories that one of the things that this story underscores to me is it underscores the fact that LeBron was all about winning. And he wasn't having it. Yeah. <laughs> he was not having it. And, you know, it, it's maybe it may speak to the fact that LeBron didn't want to have that conversation with Kobe himself. That's the more interesting. You know, that's, <laughs> uh, that is interesting to get LeBron's take on that. But, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, look, I think LeBron uh, uh, appreciated lines of authority. You know, you take that up the ladder. This is a conversation the CEO is going to have to have with one of his key employees. So, I don't know. I just thought it was a really fascinating story, and there are a lot of different parts of that. And I love that kind of that kind of backroom stuff where you get some kind of inside intel stuff that you had no idea had happened, even if it was 14, 15 years ago. All right, got to take a break. We've got one more segment before we throw it to Maryland women's basketball. Overtime is the name of the show. Chris Knocky, Linnell Willingham with you. And back in a second. All right. Back in Navy Yard, Chris Knocky, Linnell Willingham. Overtime's the name of the show. Last five minutes for us. A couple of things we need to wrap up. Um, you know, it's we're tragically in a period of time right now where life and sports intersect um, sometimes in a real tragic way. And uh, uh, obviously everybody's aware of the events in the Ukraine. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things that should be noted is that there are obviously a number of international athletes out there that are both Russian and Ukrainian. And one of the things that they have in common is uh, at this point in time, I mean, all of them are speaking out about the fact that, about the need for peace and about the need to pray for peace. And, and these don't come without cost. You know, you think about, you know, the uh, Vladimir Putin is one of those guys that has actually poisoned people who have opposed him and have said negative things about him and, you know, uh, opposition leaders have died in Russia. So if you speak out, you speak out at your own peril. This is not an insignificant thing. And, um, you know, there's a story going on out there about Russian tennis star Andre Roblev. And I, I'm i only a cursory tennis fan. I wouldn't know Andre if he, if he knocked on my front door. But I'll root for him from this point forward. He is actually one of those guys, a Russian athlete, who has stepped up and uh, talked about the fact that, you know, he, he won a big match uh, against a Polish player uh, recently in, in United Arab Emirates, and he came out and he said, in these moments you realize that my match is not, is not important at all. It's not about my match, how it, how it affects me. What's happening is much more horrible in the world. You realize how important it is to have peace in the world, respect each other no matter what, and to be united, and it's about that. We should take care of our earth and each other, and this is the most, that's the most important thing. It's not limited to Andre Roblev in terms of commentary. Our own Alex Ovechkin uh, had interesting comments as well. Keep in mind, he's a Russian, and he's one of those guys, too, that Vladimir Putin is co- cozied up to, you know, as, a, as probably the biggest professional star, right, in, in Russia. He'd bar- be hard-pressed to find a bigger one than Ovi. Go ahead. The last 48 hours, as you've seen the pictures of the suffering and <laughs> things that are happening in Ukraine, what goes to your mind when you see those images on television? Um, it's hard. Um, 
it's a hard situation. Uh, you know, um, I have a family uh, back in Russia, and uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it's scary moments. But uh, you know, we uh, we can't do anything. Uh, we know uh, we just uh, hope it's gonna be end soon, and uh, uh, everything's gonna be alright. You know, it's. Funny, Linnell, you know, we sort of, uh, you know, we look at sports in these in these games and you you see them in their context and you worry about, you know, the, the X's and O's parts of the game, the execution, the outcomes and things like that. And I was kind of struck by Maryland has a player on their roster, a guy named Pablo Zuba. And Pablo transferred into Maryland from Arizona State. And it was a pretty accomplished international player. Uh, and he's Ukrainian by birth. And Pablo's one of those guys that, um, you know, very rarely has a whole lot to say. But um, yesterday when we were in Indiana, uh, and uh, was it yesterday? I guess the days, days all kind of go together. But we were in Indiana, and he was clearly burdened by, by the events. And, you know, here's a kid whose homeland is being bombed. You know, you worry about the stuff that happens in your neighborhood. It's not being bombed. His homeland is being bombed, and one of the things that the kids did, the guys on the team, kids, they're not kids, but one of the things the guys on the team did, um, and, and it, it, it boils down to you feel so helpless, you, you do anything to help yourself feel better and to show some solidarity for this poor kid who can't even get through to his family at this point in time. And so what they did before the game is they wrote messages on their shoes, you know, before the game against Indiana. And it, it seems so trivial, and it seems so meaningless, but it's all you can do, you know? And it's heartbreaking that you you find yourself in this position. And, you know, we sometimes we, you know, I know as a coach I prayed for wins. As a player, I sat there and, you know, uh, thought a lot about it and put a lot into it. Man, this is this is way, way more than that. And And, and to see a kid have to endure that, is absolutely heartbreaking, and and it goes so far beyond what most people in this country are able to comprehend. And Pavel is one of those guys who said prior to this, he said, "We've lived with this threat forever. It's just another day and another threat." And I think he was hopeful that the international media was making more of it than was actually going to happen. Sadly enough, um, we've seen what happened, and. Uh, my heart goes out to him. I mean, and, and it's also one of those th- those things too that when you, you know, when you go to bed at night and you if you hit the knee, if you're inclined to hit the knee, um, you know, don't just don't just pray for yourself and your family. Uh, pray for peace and a guy like Pablo Zuba because he deserves a hell of a lot more than what he's getting right now. So, all right, that's it for me. Thank you to Linnell Willingham. Nice job in here as always, big fella. Enjoy. Of course, it. of course, my and, man. And we'll uh, we'll be back together at some time fairly soon, I'm sure. Uh, again, Maryland women's basketball is next. Next, Matt Noble, Dave Preston with you. They will call Maryland Indiana huge women's basketball game in College Park for Linnell. I'm Chris. You've been listening to Overtime 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. why the Packers lost in the playoffs. With that said, he's a two-time running MVP. He is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I would still kind of, 
I guess if you want to say bang my head against the wall and run everything back, I would absolutely bring Aaron Rodgers back. If I'm the Packers, I would have never drafted Jordan Love. I would have never even entertained a situation where Rodgers would consider leaving. I would do, in my power, my best interest, everything possible to keep number 12 in Green Bay for the rest of his career. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Again, a two-time reigning MVP. I'm not moving off of that for what is a question mark and a project in Jordan Love. I think you'll quickly kind of miss the drama and miss the speculation of Aaron Rodgers if Jordan Love comes out and play like he did in that one chief start he had in Green Bay. Todd is in Green Bay. Todd, you're on CBS Sports Radio. All right. I called JR uh, when the Bucks were down two. So the credibility, I, I called it. It's, uh, it's documented. You can ask JR. I called Bucks and Six. I was the first one to do it. He called me crazy. Now I'm going to tell you something. Okay. I've been a ticket holder for the Packers in Green Bay for 50 years with my father. Okay? And I'm going to tell you, Aaron Rodgers is coming back 100%. 100%. I got $1,000 on the Packers winning the, the Super Bowl at 16-1. to 1. And Adams is coming back. And... And Aaron Todd, Rodgers let me ask you this: denied. What are you he, he so? Already, why are you so confident? Because he, why? Because the 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 coaching staff, against they all want him back. So right now, why he's delaying? Yeah, they're negotiating his contract, and he already came out and he said he didn't want fifty million after that report. Well, so, of course he's going to say that. If it's coming from okay. him, you, you can't all of a sudden, you know, have okay, it, you know, well, make it seem like and cover your tracks. Like, oh, yeah, this is definitely from me. Zach and you, I will call your show when you're producing or you're hosting. <laughs> when this happens, I'm going to tell you another one. How credible. Sean, if Sean's still listening, the first caller. Yes. I will go Culver's on Hanson Road. I will buy him a combo meal. He meets me there. I'll have a Packer hat on that evening at 8 p.m. No, no, sorry, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Time. 6 p.m. hat. Todd, I will buy him a combo if this goes down. If Roger stays. Okay, so Sean, our first caller, Todd, appreciate the confidence, man, from Green Bay, said that he was gone. And now Todd is guaranteeing Aaron Rodgers returning put a $1,000 on a Super Bowl run next year. Can you get that refunded if if Jordan Love is a starter? I, I hope so. Who cares about the bet? I want the combo. You want the combo. All right, so Brian McKeon, Todd. Instead of Sean, Brian McKeon will fly out to Milwaukee, go to Culver's the day Aaron Rodgers guarantees he comes back to Green Bay, and McKeon wants the combo there, the burgers, the fries. I think they do shakes as well. The, the whole kit and caboodle. You have, want have you been it to all. this establishment before? Culver's? No, I have not. Not Culver's on 14th, West 14th, I think he said it was. Something like that, yeah. So you have to go to Moa, or go to Green Bay and find the Culver's. He's uh, Todd said he's wearing the Green Bay hat. Always. Which <laughs> the I only guy in Green Bay wearing a Green Bay hat. Go on a limb and say there's might be one or two other guys with Green Bay <laughs> Packers hats on there at that time, especially if Rodgers announces he's coming back. I'm sure it's going to be a party in Green Bay. So, Apparently not, according to our first caller. Well, that's true. And they, might, they might party if Rodgers leaves and they get to have Jordan Love start. That was very surprising. I did not see the uh, kind of kicking them out the door happening so far. Mark is in North Dakota, so no Wisconsin ties here. We'll go outside the state of Wisconsin for this one. Mark, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Well, thank you, Ryan, for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Uh, 
first of all, I want to say I'm a, I want Rodgers back. You I'm want him back. Okay. Years, I want him back. I'm 65 years old. I went through the glory years in the 60s. We were fantastic. And we went through 20 years that we were just irrelevant. All right? And then we have the Favre and Rodgers there. But I want him back. And I'm going to say this right now. Your assessment is the most intelligent and accurate thing that I've heard through all the talk shows. And I mean that sincerely. Because a lot of what's going on here is a lot of window dressing has been going on the last month or two. You know, Aaron's saying good things about Goody, and then they're going back and forth. But it's what they're telling us is they're going to try to make an effort, but if that doesn't work out, they, they did a lot of window dressing, and they're going to have a trade. And I don't, if they're going to trade him, as a Packer fan, if they trade him, they better be better immediately, right now, right now. I don't want to wait three, four years down the line, but they better be better immediately. And I'm old, so I remember a Herschel Walker trade with the Vikings head. Yep. And you can look it up. There were 11 players. So I want the Packers getting 11 players either. 11. Through the uh, yeah, How about a whole team? The if, the, yeah, if the Broncos so, so. give you their entire roster for Aaron Rodgers, would you do that? No. I no. I want 11 players of my picking. What I want is I want those 11 players, and that could be done through the draft. Getting You have money released to go out and get free agents, and you could take care of your own ball play, or your own players that you have on your team. And I mean it. I know that sounds a bit facetious, but I've, I've been around long enough to see these things happen. And if, when the Packers trade them, they better be able to answer the Packer fans, we're going to be better immediately with this trade. Well, Mark, okay? I, and that's not, thanks for the call, man, and thank you for the kind words. Um, that is, you want, obviously, the Packers to be better in the short term. I get that. I'm sure many Packers fans, if you are, especially team keep Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers do trade him. You don't want to, you know, go into a rebuild. You don't want to see all of a sudden a six, seven, eight win season. I get it. 